Dave. A Tuesday, May 6th here. We got Wiz and Guru. We're going to break down a- the AFC. We're going to go division by division. And uh, we're going to break down the AFC in terms of fantasy impact in relation free agent signings, uh, draft drafted players, and existing rosters. Uh, Guru, how are you today? Good morning, Wiz. First off, I just want to double check. Today's Survivor Night, right? So it's Wednesday. Hey, today is, is today Wednesday? That's right. Oh, today is Wednesday. That's right. We gotta wow, get, I'm losing we, track of the days myself here. It's certainly hard. Wending into the next. Yeah, today actually is Wednesday morning, right? Uh, May the 6th. Uh, I'm good, though. So, I'm really good. I actually, yeah. I actually just had a uh, peanut butter and banana sandwich, so I am fired up and ready to go today. Oh, very, very nice. Be- before we get into the divisions, we want to give some news to uh, to our listeners. Go ahead. You want to uh, break the news to them, how they can reach us and, uh, yep. going forward? Absolutely. So uh, yesterday we had told you guys uh, we're, we're on iTunes and Spotify and SoundCloud. That's the other site that you can look at for us, um, Guru and Wiz uh, podcast. But we've set up that email address that we discussed. It's a very simple email address. It's guru and whiz at gmail.com, no capitals, nice and easy. Get your suggestions, any comments you have, episodes you'd like to hear, questions you'd like answered, and uh, we're going to certainly apply that to some episodes moving forward. Yeah, I I didn't notice that you gave yourself top billing there with the guru and whiz, but that's okay. (laughs) A lot of people felt that Costello was the main part of Abbott Costello, so... We'll be okay with that. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, about about the emails, send us us. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you want to hear. Tell us your thoughts. Tell us, uh, you know, if you have ideas on future podcasts. Uh, we're gonna. This is gonna become more prevalent as the season goes on. Uh, as it gets closer to the start of the season, we're gonna be dedicating a day towards the end of the week. Uh, as once the season starts, probably like on a Friday. Saturday, maybe even early Sunday morning to like start up, sit them questions or situations you may have questions about regarding the games on Sunday. So definitely it's going to be more prevalent once the season starts. But for now, give us your ideas, suggestions, and thoughts, and uh, we'll, we'll mention them. We'll get to them, and uh, we'll do the best we, we can because we are very, very interested in what you guys want to know and, uh, and suggestions you may have. So we're going to get right into the AFC East. Before I start with the Dolphins, I, I thought it would be remiss of us not to mention the passing of Don Shula. Um, you know, I, I'm not a Dolphins fan, but my buddy Eric is a, you know, a diehard Dolphins fan. And I guess when I think of the Dolphins, the first, thing, the first things that come to mind are the perfect season, Don Shula and Dan Marino. And it, it was really kind of touching to watch Larry Zonka talk about Don Shula. And I think this is like something that we're never going to see anymore in terms of like him calling Don Shula family 50 years uh, or so after, after the seasons that they had and when they played, uh, when, when Zonka played for 
for for Don Shula. It's just something now. It just seems more of a business. You rarely, rarely see that relationship between coach and player. So before we get into the Dolphins for this upcoming season, did you have any thoughts or some quick comments you wanted to make on the passing of Shula and uh, any any anything you wanted to add? Yeah. So like you, I have. A, I mean, Eric and I, Eric's in our league, and uh, he's a huge Dolphin fan. I have, I have a good friend, Scotty, who was. Uh, in my previous career was a, uh, one of my, uh, main go-to guys as a facilitator in the business I was in. Uh, he's a huge dolphin fan. We we reminisced a little bit about that. You know, I, I really love listening to different interviews and you mentioned Larry Zonka and they had a whole bunch of ex dolphins, uh, that, that were on the show over the last couple of days on on some of the radio shows on the NFL network, uh, on Sirius, uh, really found those tributes to be very touching. As you mentioned, yeah, it, it, it's got to be more of a family. I mean, some teams are still running that in, in that capacity, but the business side of it has taken over. But, you know, a truly pious man, um, a super successful coach, and it was really nice to hear all those uh, tributes to him. Absolutely. So with that being said, we're going to talk about the Dolphins' upcoming season, 2020, see see what it looks like. I I believe this was a crucial draft. I mentioned that several times, that this could be an organization, you know, a a changing type draft for the Dolphins' organization going forward with so many picks in a a talent-laden draft. So considering everything, the free agent signings, the trade they made afterwards, the draft picks, the existing roster. Give us some thoughts on Miami this upcoming season. So, so I would say this. Um, you know, I don't expect Tua Tagovailoa to do a heck of a lot this year, uh, especially given what's taken place with the virus and the inability to kind of work out. So, I'd be surprised to him to make a huge impact this year. It would be a delayed impact, if anything. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who had. Um, I think he had four or five 400-yard games uh, with the with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2018 and certainly led a spirited effort last year uh, on the field. You know, he's going to he's going to mentor uh Tua in 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 the best way possible, I think, and and I think that's a great way for him to learn and I think that's a good situation for him to land in, but he is clearly the face of the future. I think the interesting thing in this draft from the, from the offensive side, you know, for the players that remain on the roster is, is what didn't happen. So you mentioned the trade. And I think Matt Breida has been a very solid talent, but a guy who's not been able to stay on the field. He's had an ankle issue that's been persistent over the last couple of years. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but boy, when he gets going, he, he, he can be very difficult to catch. I think it's a lovely combination with him and, and, and Howard. You know, certainly, um, and we know uh, Kalen Balage. my goodness gracious. Um, we have a guy in our league, we'll just call him Z-Man. Uh, I don't want to give too much away here. But this guy protected Kalen Balage over Lamar Jackson in a keeper league. And when you tell me one of the dumbest things you've ever heard in the history of fantasy, that was it. But, you know, enough of that. Um, but I think Howard and Breida make a nice little combination in the backfield. I think their talents will work off one another. I think with the, given that this draft was very, very deep at wide receiver, it's what they didn't do at that position, which makes things interesting for the coming year. Devontae Parker, for his first four years as an NFL player, had nine touchdowns. Last year, he had nine touchdowns, 128 targets, 70 catches, 1,200 yards, 
top 12 receiver, second half of the year, number two fantasy receiver. You know, I expect this to continue with Fitzpatrick and him. So it's it's great for his for his fantasy value. I think the interesting guy as well to look at is the tight end from Penn State, which was Mike Gusecki, who really came on in the second half of the year. 52 targets, 36 catches, five touchdowns in the last seven weeks. Those are the two beneficiaries of them not drafting anyone. They have a bunch of kind of nondescript names. Preston Williams, he tore his ACL early November. You know, can he come back early? But other than that, you know, I think they're going to work with what they had last year in the receiving core. Maybe a guy like Matt Collins, who was always a guy that the Eagles thought would pop up. They picked him up late in the season. Maybe he moves up on, on draft boards. Um, you know, they have, they still have Albert Wilson. They still have um, Jakeem Grant and Alan Hearns, the veteran, is there as well. Yeah, you're really uh, going deep in that depth chart. I mean, I think, I think the, the Dolphins did a good job. Um, I like what they did. I, I love to, uh, I'm, I'm not going to agree with what you said as far as his playing time this year and what a lot of people are saying, basically saying that they're going to, you know, they're going to redshirt him and, and he's going to sit out the year or not contribute much. I, I don't see it that way. Um, I think, you know, there will be games where Fitzpatrick will most likely start at the beginning. It's a perfect situation, but I, I, I certainly envision Tua being out in the 2020 season out there for the Dolphins. I like the combination of Breeder and Howard as well. Um, if they both could stay on the field, I think that's kind of the duo they wanted to, they, they want to have. They made that trade with Breeder uh, after the, at the end of the draft. Um, to to you know get a compliment to Howard they didn't select a running back uh with you know early pick which a lot of people thought um and uh Devontae Parker it seemed the light switch went on for that player last year we'll see how it goes but I like the way things are looking uh for Miami and uh, let's go to the Jets uh the Jets um a lot of people thought their first pick could have been a wide receiver. It could have been uh, a lineman. Uh, you know, they decided to go with lineman. So talk about what the Jets did in the offseason, the draft, existing roster, and uh, some thoughts on them for the upcoming season. And, and, we, and we have a lot of Jet fans out there that uh, that certainly uh, always look at them and as being a very frustrating team to root for. Uh, I think when you, when you looked at the Jets draft, uh, when, when they selected – it was going to be between the offensive tackle or potentially one of those stud receivers. And they went the route that a number of teams have gone in protecting the asset and Sam Darnold. And they went with Mekhi Becton. So good for the offensive line. They, you know, the jets back in the day when they were having success, uh, were having it with, with, with strong uh, Eric Mangold and the Brickishaw Ferguson, you know, they got to win with a strong line. So hopefully Becton ends up, you know, playing that role. And I think they got a big break late in this, later in the draft, uh, getting Denzel Mims from Baylor, who we thought had the potential to be drafted in the first round. He hung around late. They were able to get that player then. I, I think you add him to Perryman and an underrated guy as a slot guy in Jameson Crowder. And I, I like that combination. Look, Sam Darnold's got to get better as a player. Uh, I think the, in, uh, the mononucleosis situation for him last year kind of set him back a little bit. But, you know, he, t- he needs to take the next step up. Um, the tight end position, they didn't do anything at tight end uh, on, on, in the draft. But they had a guy from the year before, Chris Herndon, who could not get healthy last year after a suspension. 
So it's going to be a position that that's they're going to look to for some production. Uh, you know, uh, Ryan Griffin, Griffin gave him some production late in the year last year. And I think, you know, the other thing that they did do, and they did it yesterday, is, is they added Frank Gore, 37-year-old guy. I think he'll act as a very solid mentor uh, to Le'Veon Bell. And obviously they drafted Perrine from Florida, who, who's looked at to be the heir apparent uh, backup. And, you know, I know uh, Bilal Powell is definitely an age guy with some injuries, so they're going to look for him to maybe help him out in that situation. Yeah, I think um, the Jets... You know, they when they when they signed Perriman in the off season, I don't think it was to, you know, say okay, now we're 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 gonna roll with our receivers. They they definitely wanted to take a receiver in this draft, and they did the smart thing because it was a, a lot of quality depth at wide receiver. Uh, so they were able to get a wide receiver like Denzel Mims. Uh, you know. After they took Becton, uh, that worked out for them. The Gore signing, I don't know if he's going to, from a fantasy perspective, I think Frank Gore is going to do what Frank Gore always does. He's going to vulture the other one back in terms of, you know, maybe touchdowns, uh, yards. Uh, he, he's most likely going to, gonna, gonna, you know, take away some value from Le'Veon Bell. Um, so I, I, think, I, I think the Jets – did what they needed to do with the draft. We'll see how it plays out. Um, and uh, and they're, they're in a division where I believe the Dolphins and this team that we're about to talk about, the Bills, really seem to be on the rise in terms of their young organization and what they've done. So let's get right to the Bills. Uh, they didn't have a first-round pick because they made that straight-up trade with the Vikes to – to get digs. Uh, they added some receivers as well in the draft to try and give themselves some depth at the wide receiver position. Um, so uh, go ahead, have at it. Bills with the dig signing, the Zach Moss draft, and uh, what else they did, uh, including a player that I like, Jake Fromm. So tell us what you think about the Bills. So, you know, the Bills traded away their number one pick and they picked up Stefan Diggs from your Minnesota Vikings. So that's the guy they, they're expecting to jump forth and be the number one receiver. And obviously, uh, Josh Allen needs to take that next step up. So looking at him, you know, very closely, Josh Allen did not have a 300-yard passing game last year. Um, in his first two years as an NFL quarterback, 17 rushing touchdowns. That is a remarkable number, uh, over 500 yards rushing in each season. So, so that's become an integral part of what they're trying to do. I think you know, in, in terms of their offense the last two years, I don't think that's a continuous thing that can occur. So what did they do? They went out and they got a complimentary piece to Devin Singletary, who we both like as a running back, and Zach Moss from Utah. He's had injuries the last two years uh, in college, both in 18 and 19. So maybe that had his draft position drop a little bit from maybe where he could have gone. But I think, again, I look at it as a situation as those two guys could play very nicely off one another. I like their receiving core. Diggs, John Brown, Smokey Brown's a really solid player, over 1,000 yards last year. And Cole Beasley last year was, you know, a really, really solid pickup for them as a slot guy. So I like what they did. I like this. I like this offense. You know, Kyle Allen has to get better as a passer, no doubt about it. Uh, they have the young tight end Dawson Knox. You know, but aside from that, you know, the Bills, the Bills did not do a lot to add. Aside from Moss, they did not do a lot in this draft, in my eyes, 
to add significantly on the offensive side. One, one guy that's worth a mention is Gabriel Davis. I'll let you talk a little bit about him, and you think he could extend the field a little bit as, as maybe a fourth receiver there. Yeah, I think they, you know, I mean, I'm not necessarily agreeing that they didn't address the offensive. They they traded their first round pick to get Diggs. They drafted a running back. They drafted a quarterback. They drafted two receivers. So, actually, I think they really made a concerted effort to help themselves on the offensive side of the ball. They drafted uh, a kicker, yeah, too. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think Gabriel Davis can... Um, can can step in and contribute uh, in a way that maybe some of the other receivers can't. He can hit the occasional big play for them. Uh, Isaiah Hodgkins, uh, they drafted late as well. Um, so and, and and the interesting thing is, you know, they took Jake from, and I'm a, I like Jake from. <clears throat> um, I don't think there's anything wrong with good, healthy competition. And maybe even putting a little bit of pressure on uh, Josh Allen for him to, you know, be be productive, uh, knowing that they took a, a rookie quarterback as well in the draft. And and Zach Moss, I think, is a nice compliment to Singletary. I'm not going to call it a full-blown timeshare and a real head-scratcher like what we talked about with Swift and on Johnson, but, you know, Zach Moss is so, certainly somebody that you want to keep your eye on and, uh, and, uh, and not, not forget about him. So I like what the Bills did. They're strong on defense, and they address the offensive side of the ball. So I kind of like where, where, where the Bills are headed. I did and, mention, uh, too, they drafted a kicker. I don't know if you've seen the video on this kid, uh, Georgia Southern. Yeah, 50 otters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I have seen him. Yeah, you know, and you always uh, love mentioning the uh, the kicker position. And one last thing on the Bills is you mentioned him briefly, um, Dawson Knox, uh, at uh, at tight end, and he is one of many many tight ends as we get you know headed into the season that we're going to talk about of these guys that have the real potential to 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 step up this year. And the last but not least, certainly are the Pats who have completely dominated this division going on for decades, quite frankly and literally. Um, a whole new situation this year. Tom Brady's gone. Uh, Stidham, the keys to the kingdom, uh, apparently are his, at least for this year or the start of this year. Um, so go ahead, have at it. Tell us what you think of the Pats based on what they did in the offseason draft and existing roster headed to the season. So a situation, again, coming into this draft where you wondered what they were going to do. There were rumors that they could take a quarterback, and they, they didn't do that. Um, and they've had opportunities to, to trade for a quarterback or pick up someone that's been dropped, uh, like we've seen Dalton signed by the Cowboys and Winston but they didn't go in that direction. And I've got one vision of of Jared Stidham so far in his career. Uh, It was a game where the Pats were in week three of last season, were well ahead of the Jets. Jared Stidham comes in, throws a pick six. uh, Jets rushing back for a touchdown. And uh, Bill Belichick comes in with the vaudeville cane and uh, yanks him off the stage very, very quickly. So, and, and behind him is a guy, yeah, Brian Hoyer's 35 years old. His last 10 starts, 0-10, 2-14 and 14 in his career starts. That's not the answer. So I don't know if they invest in a quarterback somewhere along the way after cuts are made. I really don't know. But right now, as you said, this is Stidham's team. It's what they didn't do in the draft. Um, the most interesting I think, I think 
thing they did do uh, on the offensive side is, is draft a kid from UCLA, and that's the tight end, Devin Asiasi. And if you look at him, just an imposing figure, 6'7". Uh, his stats were very similar, save the touchdowns, to, to Gronk's in his last year of college. This is a big, big boy. Um, he got suspended for a few games in 2018. Maybe there was some disciplinary worries about the player. Uh, we know the Patriots have taken some chances before. I know you really like the fact that they went after him and, and the kid from Virginia Tech in, in Dalton Keene. So tight end is a position that's always been very important in New England. That's the one place where they did address it. They do come into this season on the receiving side with the cast of characters that they had last year in Edelman, uh, Nikhil Harry, who was a disappointment. They did sign Marquise Lee, but and Mohamed Sanu was a guy they picked up last year. So, look, they got to move forward here, and uh, this is the beginning of the uh, post-Tom Brady, Brady era. So, yeah, so here's where I'm going to wrap it up with the Pats. Um, the Pats handled this draft smartly. Uh, they traded down. They got a player at 37 that they certainly uh, – you know, uh, didn't have to take a 23. And a tight end, they didn't make the same mistake that the Bears did. They waited, and I like the two tight ends they got. Now, are Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene going to be Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez? No, they're not. But they're two good players. Asiasi has real good fluid movement after the catch. He's a big guy, but very athletic and, and certainly can make big plays even for his size. And Dalton Keene is a real smart player, can do a lot of different things well. He's a perfect player for the Patriots. That's what they want. So I kind of like those two guys. When you have a young, unproven quarterback, it's always good to be able to have tight ends that can actually catch catch the ball, do different things, show versatility, and they certainly have that in Asiasi and Keen. And then there's one other thing that they did. They took an undrafted free agent player out of Miami who would have been drafted, but he had some real issues off the field several different times. He was a problem from Miami of Florida, Jeff Thomas. And I'm looking at the existing wide receiver roster for the Pats. And, you know, Edelman aside, there is room for somebody to come in there and step in and contribute immediately. I mean, I think we've seen enough of the Mohammedson news, the Marquise Lees of the world to know what they're capable of and what they're not capable of. So Jeff Thomas, undrafted uh, free agent signing from Miami uh, by the Pats. Keep an eye on him. He's one of these guys you have to look at. And there's a lot of things going on. And uh, that's one thing that I always uh, keep an eye on when it comes to this because uh, you're never quite sure when there's a diamond in the rough out there. So, And I think they, the they actually found one, uh, looked to be they found one too last year. They did with Jacoby Myers from NC State who, who had a couple of moments last season. I don't know if he can build upon that, especially without Brady. But yeah, as you pointed out, you know, they've done – this is a second year in a row that they've gone the UDFA route to find yeah, – I, I, I think I have uh, – I think I have more uh, – I, I have higher expectations for Thomas over Jacoby Myers, who's going to – you know, who's fine. But I think we've just seen enough of these guys. And uh, even Nikhil Harry, I'm not thrilled with. So we'll see. Keep an eye on the tight ends. Keep an eye on Jeff Thomas uh, as he gets closer to the season. See if they make the roster, uh, you know, and, and – and, 
and uh, and then and then go from there, and uh, and uh, we'll see how it plays out. But uh, that's a wrap for the AFC East, and uh, great job there, Guru. And uh, we'll uh, we'll be back uh, with the uh, AFC North after this. Fantastic, Wiz. Thank you.